Hi everyone and welcome to Riskologists. This podcast is brought to you by Optimize and hosted by me, Pat Bradshaw. Optimize are thrilled to host this podcast series where we'll be speaking with some of risk management's most respected and esteemed thought leaders from across the UK and beyond. Throughout this series, we'll be exploring our guests' journey within risk management, as well as delving into their unique insights and invaluable first-hand experiences around some of the industry's most pressing topics. Our goal? To create a platform in which ideas and thoughts can be shared in order to inspire and educate our audience and to ultimately give back to the risk management community across the world. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Riskologists. As always, I'm your host, Pat Bradshaw, and today I'm not actually joined by any guests. I am once again flying solo. So as most of our loyal listeners will know, we started this journey around six months ago with a little bit of an opening monologue, which introduced the podcast and gave you all a bit of a taste of what was to come. So today we've come full circle and 12 brilliant episodes later, you're joining me for what is going to be the closing monologue of season one for Riskologists. So with that being said, as the proverbial curtain comes down on our debut season, I guess I'd like to use this as an opportunity to reflect and and really recap on some of the brilliant guests and topics that we've hosted and explored. And although I think it's more than fair to say, I personally have taken a great deal from each and every conversation. There were three main themes which remained a constant throughout the season. And those were risk does include opportunity. Risk culture is everything. And the final point being really the variety of advice that our guests gave their younger self, which I'll, um, I'll obviously touch on. I appreciate some, if not most, of what I'm about to dissect won't be groundbreaking to a lot of our listeners. However, I'd still like to give my 10 pence and really reflect on what I personally took from the season. So the first point then, risk does include opportunity. So I guess it's no secret that despite the profession's best efforts to ensure that risk management includes both threats and opportunities, the latter does often fall by the wayside. So when we consider risks, even as risk professionals, and if you haven't listened to it already, I was definitely guilty of this in episode 13. Generally speaking, the tendency is to focus on threats. So we see the world as threatening and difficult and uncertain, which of course makes us uncomfortable. However, some uncertainty can be good for us, and it is really important to run towards these opportunities and embrace them whilst protecting ourselves from the bad ones. And as coined by one of our brilliant guests, we need to take risks, but we need to take the right risks and take the right risks safely. Another really interesting question that was actually raised during the opening season was whether upside risk management is in fact a, a complete waste of time or not necessarily a complete waste of time, but it's, it is pretty futile. So we explored really whether the root of the problem is that we're being driven down this road of risk management being both positive and negative and whether in fact isolating the two would potentially add more value. And as we explored on the episode, it would seem in some, if not most instances, that that actually is the case. We often shoehorn threats and opportunities into the same workshop, which to me does seem a little counterintuitive and oxymoronic to the point where, as quoted in the actual episode, only 5 to 10% of the risk register is actually made up of opportunities using this approach. And it could even be said, just to take it a step further, that when you combine these two, it not only diminishes the value of opportunity management, but it also acts as a distraction and a hindrance to efficiently conduct threat management. So 
I guess it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, really. On the flip side of the coin, however, cases where opportunity management has been isolated did actually yield a split somewhere closer to the range of 50-50 in terms of threats and opportunities. And when I say isolated, what I mean is on a completely different day or even week. So a brilliant example from one of our guests from the episode that I'm uh, I'm mentioning was um, actually conducting a workshop where everybody was wearing a pair of rose-tinted sunglasses to induce a different way of thinking. So off the back of that, I think from my perspective, it's fair to say that risk does include opportunity but it only really offers a real benefit when it's tackled methodically. Maybe the biggest risk is a missed opportunity. So secondly, the next theme that I wanted to explore was all around risk culture. And I did coin this sort of risk culture is everything. So risk culture is a topic which was tackled quite early on in the season. And unsurprisingly, it was consistently one of the first things mentioned by the majority of our guests when I asked them what they're passionate about or what topic they'd like to discuss and and I guess what they would think would really add value to the community. So, you know, one of the earliest lessons in my career, at least, while studying the ISO 31000 principles was that human and cultural factors do stand above all else. So you can have the most talented people in the room, the best available information and the slickest technology on the market. But without the people, everything is pretty much rendered relatively redundant. And although, of course, there are several nuances of the culture piece to explore, the point I'm about to go into in particular in one of the episodes stood out. So how do you know you have the right risk culture? So exploration and communication with other parts of the business is is obviously an excellent starting point. So good temperature checks can consist of asking these separate functions, you know, their interpretation of risk terminology. Do you know where to find the relevant documents, i.e. the risk register? and or just what is expected of them. And then seeing how much these answers match up against one another not only provides a health check of the business, but it'll also highlight the confidence and investment in risk management across the organization or lack thereof. And if no one's capturing it or even talking about it, then that leaves the business in a very precarious position. The panacea of risk culture is a place where we can gather information as risk professionals with our respective clients and allow them to make the right decisions at the right time. Another excellent soundbite from this particular episode is you don't want to be data rich and knowledge poor. That is a bankrupt risk culture. So I guess the final theme or the final piece that I wanted to really highlight was the variety of advice to the younger self across the season. So from the outset, I knew that I wanted to build a catalog of information that couldn't be found in any textbook, you know, that was drawn directly from our guests firsthand invaluable experience. And Well, I suppose it was that point that really led me to consistently finishing each episode with the question, if you could give yourself a piece of advice at the start of your career that you know now, but you didn't know then, what would that piece of advice be? And what I found really fascinating was across 13 episodes, 14 guests, hasn't been a single piece of duplicated advice, which is, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, I find that pretty staggering. So the first one for me is all around mentorship. So I I suppose I was familiar with this term, but I didn't really ever truly understand what it meant or or how it could be a benefit. So I've been really fortunate that just by default, really, the people that hired me are four of the best risk professionals and just people that you could wish to meet. And and I've been really lucky that I've been able to leverage a mentor-mentee relationship as a result of that. So in this episode, the guests and I came to the conclusion that 
a mentor is a trusted professional with whom you can pick up the phone and completely off the record in inverted commas, use as a sounding board as you develop your own ideas and ways of working really, I guess, without feeling stupid um, whilst having also absolutely no impact on your day job. So a win-win really. So another interesting point that the guests made is that they don't even have to be in the same profession. Obviously it's a bonus if they are, but as long as it's someone you trust, you're really unlikely to go wrong understand as the mentee what it is you're trying to achieve and add value to and then you can select a willing mentor once you've answered that question and I would definitely join my guest in advocating everybody to find someone in that capacity to be a mentor to help build your confidence and develop as an individual as you progress through your career. Another excellent piece of advice I'd want to look back on from one of the episodes is all around networking so thinking outside of simply raising your own profile and whilst that is important Networking isn't about taking, it's definitely about sharing. Rather than waiting for these events and talks to rock up, engage with your peers and meet people, whether it's online, LinkedIn, in person, whatever the case may be, allow yourself to be exposed to these different perspectives and this diversity of thought. So as everybody probably knows, and the podcast is pretty good evidence of that, I definitely try to take the bull by the horns and dive headfirst into networking and building my confidence by exposing myself to my community and my network. And whilst I'm not for a second suggesting that everyone goes out and starts a podcast, what I would definitely advocate is just to push yourself out of your comfort zone. Reach out, speak to senior leaders in your network and, and just put yourself out there. I mean, The worst they can do is say no, but in my experience, they are definitely much more likely to say yes. And like I say, the podcast is a perfect example of that. I mean, Riskologist really has afforded me the opportunity to chat with some of the most high-profile industry leaders, seasoned subject matter experts, and just overall great humans that you could wish to meet. I mean, the insight shared with me and obviously subsequently with us all. I've been absolutely second to none and, and I'm so grateful to have been able to facilitate those conversations and, and share that knowledge with a global growing base of listeners. I mean, just to give you all some context, I have shared these, um, these numbers on LinkedIn previously, but we're currently sat as it stands at around just over 2000 downloads across over 50 countries and across six continents, which come to think of it when you say, when you put it like that is absolutely mental, but there it is. I'd obviously like to thank absolutely everybody who's joined us on our journey and and been so supportive from start to finish in our opening season. Guests, listeners, absolutely everyone. I'm also really excited to announce that the wheels are definitely already in motion for us to return later in this year for season two. So do keep your eyes peeled for that. Obviously more to come in terms of um, guests and dates and, and everything like that. But in the meantime, I won't be dropping completely off the radar. So I'll be dropping weekly highlight video clips from all of the episodes on our Riskologist LinkedIn account. And I'll also be sharing those on the Optimize YouTube account as well. But like I said, nothing major, just three to five minute clips, which should hopefully add a nice poignant nugget to everyone's week. And just in case anybody hasn't seen or, um, or just wants a reminder to go back and listen to their favorite episode, I hope that'll, uh, that'll serve as a nice reminder. But finally, in keeping with Riskologist tradition, I'd like to wrap this up by offering my own humble piece of advice. So as I've mentioned so often on the podcast, probably sounds like a broken record now, I've made, I made the decision to change careers completely around 18 months ago. So firstly, I would definitely be lying if I said completely starting over in my mid to late 20s wasn't a little bit daunting, albeit definitely exciting. Secondly, after falling in love with the risk profession almost immediately, I spent the first few months of my fresh start almost wishing that I'd set out on my journey sooner or somehow that my law degree and and all my other professional experience was a waste of time just leading me up to this point. 
what was going around in my head was if, if only I'd done risk management at university, I'm 27 now, I would have been well on my way and, and well established in a career in risk. And to be honest with you, I couldn't have been more mistaken. And I definitely mistook my impatience for regret. When Optimize hired me, I was really fortunate they did so solely based on the behavioral competencies required to sculpt me and anyone else for that matter into a successful risk professional. Confidence, integrity, innovation and curiosity to name but a few. These are traits that would have been absent without my previous professional experience or at the very least less mature. And I think it may have taken me a minute to realize this, but these characteristics take precedence over the theory tenfold. I mean, of course, the theory is vital and you can't progress without it, but the theory can be taught. Teaching behavior, however, can be a little bit trickier. So in hindsight, I wouldn't change a thing about my journey into risk and I would implore absolutely anybody who is shared or is sharing in similar thoughts to reflect in the same fashion. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by all of the amazing transferable skills you've amassed, even if they aren't blatantly obvious right away. I changed careers completely at 27 and it turned out to be the best decision I ever made. Never too late to start over. Take it easy, everyone. And that's it for this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Riskologists, be sure to follow Optimize on all of our social media channels where you can subscribe to this podcast and be notified of every episode so you don't miss a thing. Please like, share and leave reviews to help support us and increase our reach within the wider risk community. And join us next time where we'll be chatting with another leading figure in the world of risk. Until then, thanks a lot for listening and take it easy.